0: Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Zivi Kivi here and this is season 8, episode 10. Today we have an interview with Sammy Duper Smith from Canada. Enjoy.
1: Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist. With your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist
0: Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. What's up? Zivi Kivi here. And this is season eight. The veterans are coming. And today I have the privilege of talking with a very talented Canadian balloon twister. I've seen his work a while back and I was like, whoa, what are those twisted blasters that are really cool? And I'm happy to introduce you to Sam Smith. Hello, Sam from Vancouver, Canada. How are you?
1: Hey, Zivi. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great today.
0: Cool. You've been twisting for over seven years now. And by the time people listening to this, like they are pretty interested. Like, What are all those blasters you're using? When are you using them? Is it something just for social media marketing or do you also do these in events? The
1: blasters that I use, they're a fantastic concept that I was able to incorporating my stuff from Buster Balloon with some of his stuff that he's already showed previously. And I use those for any uh, chance that I have. If it's a slow busking day, I use them. If at corporate events, I'm definitely using those. If I'm at birthday parties, if I don't make at least one, then it's not worth it. The kids that I work with, that's what their expectations are. Those and the backpacks that I use as well. Busting out those bigger balloons always leaves an impact when I go to parties or corporate events or wherever.
0: Do you use Dave Bren type of backpacks?
1: Yes, that's what I mean. It, was, it is the David Brennan style of backpacks. Um, they're absolutely fantastic. If you don't have them, you're not living up to your expectations for your clients.
0: And Dave Bren actually these days has a, a Patreon page that we support, I support him personally. And we as Balloon Artist College, we actually serve the content of his Patreon through Balloon Artist College. So all of his patrons are basically getting the content, everything that he has through Balloon Artist College. And this is really a privilege to work with such a talented, visionary balloon artist. But you uh, seem to be taking ideas and then also making them your own and improving them and just making variations that are making the end results very, very visually appealing. What's your secret? Essentially, when you look at a
1: concept, what you need to realize is there's very basic rules for any concept that you might see online. And when you see the concept online, you need to look past the designs that they already have and see what could be available. And just by simply changing up the colors or even changing up the sizes of balloons that you use, you're opening yourself up to a wealth of new information that was not on the DVD that you have exclusively for yourself. But it's just in that practice and trial and error and being afraid to make those mistakes, whether you're at home or even at a party that you are going to be able to create some very new original content at the same time. Because concepts are probably the best thing that we have and that we have in our industry right now. I come up with my own concepts all the time. I think that there's more concepts out there than people realize. A simple design one person might have could be an entire concept without even realizing it. But they just don't realize the basics of changing the color, changing the shape of balloon, or just adding a little thing on top of it can actually change design completely.
0: So one of the things you basically encourage and and you do personally is you play and you improvise and you try and uh, you see if it works or not. And can you give me an example of like something that you tried that maybe like immediately was a surprise for you of how cool it looks?
1: Absolutely. Um. Well, for me, I'm a challenge twister. I don't come to places with venues. I don't do that at all. I prefer having the kids try and come up with something original and fun. And I had that actually in my second year of twisting, I I got my first corporate gig where I had this really sarcastic 10 year old come up to me and say, you can make anything. And I said, yeah, I can make anything. And he um, said, okay, then I want a praying mantis with a laser gun. I was just in my second year of twisting, but I just said, "Okay, let's figure it out." And just a simple Google image search of looking up a cartoon praying mantis, I was able to figure that out. And of course, everyone has a basic laser gun in their belt as well. Just adding those two things together, the kid was blown away and amazed, and so was everyone else. And then his friend right behind him goes, "Oh, sweet! I'll have a Statue of Liberty with a chainsaw." And so then when you break that down as well. Then you just realize a Statue of Liberty is just a woman in a dress and you just got to change the colors to blue or a bluish green color like a turquoise. And then all of a sudden now you have the Statue of Liberty. Most people do have a chain. So I'm sure there's one out there, at least on YouTube, somewhere that you can incorporate. But it's that mix and match of understanding and just research and knowledge and practice that you can really create whatever you want. And a lot of people are capable of that without realizing it. Just giving yourself the time and the patience and just the confidence of being able to do so. And that's how I've been able to make my reputation here is actually that corporate client I've had for five years now. And that's the expectation. They hire me for the entire time. They actually have a good friend of mine, Dennis Bayen. I've brought him in on the scene because now he's a very talented twister too. And he can make whatever he wants as well. But that's the theme of what we have at that corporate event now is the kids come up to us, ask us for random stuff and we just go for it and just try and make it. And we've been able to create a good reputation in doing things like that.
0: Can you share with me, what are the ages of the kids that will come up with those ideas from um, your experience?
1: I would say from five to probably 50. <laughs> I do adult events as well. I've done New Year's Eve parties at nerd bars. I actually, there's this amazing video game bar that I was twisting balloons there once a month for a couple of years. And so that was a great way to challenge myself as well because tell them I can make anything. And then they're going to ask me for anime characters, video game characters, Pokemon characters. And it just requires a quick image search and then breaking it down with the basic geometrical structures. And then you're good to go. You are always going to get the typical ones that are going to want a unicorn, going to want a sword, going to want a dog, which is great. But if you keep pushing that you can make anything and get to have them be creative, then you get some of the more unique children that are going to come up to you and actually want to think about something challenging. I had one kid come up to me and really want a banana. And his dad really wanted him to have a sword. It's like, well, let's combine it together, and make a banana sword and see what happens. And stuff like that. It's really just spontaneity on the job that can really create some very memorable times for your clients.
0: Wow. This is very cool. Where do you do those twisting except for corporate gigs? Do you have other type of gigs that allow you to improvise and and do these type of challenges? Besides
1: corporate gigs, even birthday parties, I'm able to try and do stuff like that as well. I always try and have kids try and get pushed to think of something different. Like if they say I want a sword, it's like, well, do you want a sword? Do you want a Minecraft diamond sword? Or do you want a different kind of sword? I actually had one time where I was stuck with we making all the kids swords. But then after the second time of am seeing it and I realized five kids are going to want swords, it was more about, okay, now what are they wearing? Can we change the colors around to actually match the person? Instead of asking for their colors, you want a sword? Okay, I'm going to make a customized sword for you. And that was just at a birthday party. Do you have the potential of doing anything like that? I know that I seeing Scott Tripp, he's someone that's a huge inspiration. He is someone that really just wants to think outside the box and wants to really push the art form, which I think more people should be listening to that guy. And when you see different artists out there that are doing it, it's actually... Not as difficult as some people think it is, or as impossible as some people think it is, and really giving yourself that opportunity for that chance because, at the end of the day, the kid could be stubborn and just say, No, I really just want a dog, so be it. But as long as you put it out there that you can do weird, different things, then you're going to create that reputation for yourself.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned Scott Stripped because we really believe in his art as well in Bologna Artist College, and we have over 100 hours of him. Twisting in our webinars over 100 hours. Each hour, he will teach at least a few designs. So, it's, we're talking about hundreds of weird designs like the ones that you mentioned, where he will mm-hmm. take an idea and another idea and combine it and really show you how the whole structure works. And definitely, if you're into challenging yourself as an artist and being creative, like just growing that creative muscle then following Scott Tripp and his walk is the way to go, definitely.
1: Absolutely. I actually, I was very fortunate early on, like the first year and a half that I was twisting, Scott Tripp being Scott Tripp, he just randomly posted on uh, Facebook asking, hey, is there anyone that just wants to have a six month long conversation with me via email? And I was very fortunate enough to be that person that he had that conversation with. And just talking with him, just via email, like a couple of times a week for six months, not only created everlasting friendship in my life with the guy, but also he brought me a wealth of knowledge that I would not have even considered. Like I said, again, I really think Scott Tripp is someone that should be listened to in our community a little bit more. He is a very creative source and he's also a full-time twister as well. And I think that, yeah, he's just one of my favorite people in the entire world, period.
0: When he was in Israel to film his Creativity Master Blaster course, that is also a part of Polonats College, We did an interview for Balloon Artist Podcast and he shared his creative technique of creating not just ideas, but ideas for creating ideas, like really just creating tools that you can use in multiple ways, like, you know, the smooshes or whatnot. It's just very, very inspiring. So I see that you've been touched by very good influences. Mm-hmm. Already, we talked about Buster Balloon, Dave Brennan, and, and uh, Scott Ripple in a few minutes, and that already shows a lot. Can you give us an example of when you were twisting and finally noticed that, hey, I just came up with a concept of my own?
1: That was something... I was doing a photo shoot, and I needed to come up with some designs. Actually, it wasn't I needed to come up with designs. I had a design of what I needed, but then I realized I'm all out of black 350s. And I didn't have any 350s or 360s of black, but I had a bunch of 321s. And so I started to look at the 321s and said, well, what if I do this and this and this? And then I realized I just came up with a very basic body structure just by using 321s with some 260s. And I made a penguin out of it. And then I looked at the penguin and then I said, well, it could also be a tiger. It could also be a dinosaur. It could also be a bunch of other things. And just by looking at like a body structure is just a body structure. And when you really look at, plushies as well like stuffed animals stuffed toys you start noticing that you can really get away with a lot of different body designs by just changing basic again colors and basic shapes on the basic design that you have and then also you have a completely different character the reality is in our mind that i do believe it's a bit of a weird thing to say but we don't make dogs we don't make swords we make what i like to call iconic images which is an idea of what we're making. It's basically, if you look at a picture of, say, a dog, like, for example, the one balloon dog, how is that a dog? <laughs> I don't, we've only just related it to dogs so much we've been told that this is a dog for the longest time. And, okay, it has the basic shape of a dog, but it doesn't really look like one at all. Or if we look at cartoon images of different things, then we just notice like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They are humanoid shapes that are green with a big brown shell on their back. Being green and having the shell on their back are the only things that you can really relate it to being a turtle. Besides that, they look more like a deformed human at that point in time. So when we start realizing that over the centuries in art, they've just been creating different ideas of what something should be. And it just was the public just saying, yeah, sure, that's it. That's the same thing that we can do with our art form as well by just. Changing some few things around and just making it the brain understand that's what it is. You have such a huge set of different things that you can create. I'm not sure if I'm explaining that too well. I think Uh, it's something about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, here's what I got. Here's what I got from this, because I can imagine the creative process moving forward. So, for example, because we're dealing with icons, with iconic shape of things. We don't need necessarily to create a structure that is 100% realistic. We can create, just like with the Scott trips, smooshes where with different colors of a few balloons, you can create a a body, but you don't really need necessarily to have very elaborated hands. You can even just skip them. In some comics, you could see drawings of all sorts of shapes and and like people and uh, characters that don't have hands at all unless they use them. So like it's it's a style of drawing where the character will need literally will not have a hand unless she's holding something. And then the drawer will, like the caricaturist, will draw the hand for that specific piece of the story. And you don't look into the character, a page previously, and you say, oh, that doesn't make sense. They don't have hands. You know this is a representation of that character, and you move on and you enjoy the story. The story is bigger and more important and more interesting than every single detail. And and what we have the power with by focusing on the iconic representation of what we're building and like just looking for the things that stick out and trying to focus on representing those so that someone could identify what we're doing is that another way to look at it?
1: Absolutely. It's just uh, how much uh, detail do you need before someone can just understand that without even thinking about it, they go, oh yeah, that's exactly what it is. And you don't really need as much as a lot of people think that you need. If you look at all the basic one balloon shapes that we've had in our arsenal to really start in the journey, they're not that detailed. You can actually see that when you break it down in that sort of place. I wish I had the quote on me, but even Marvin Hardy Back then, when he came up with one of his books, when he made a balloon dog in that book, he didn't call it a balloon dog. He called it a basic animal because he said, hey, look, it has a nose, it has ears, and it's on four legs. I'm really paraphrasing what he said, but he said a lot of animals have four legs, and they have a nose, and they have ears in this basic shape. Even then, he was saying that this is a basic animal. It's not necessarily a dog. You can make that whatever you want, (laughs) even though it was just one balloon reading that as well, that just really um, emphasized what I already was kind of thinking about and obsessing about on my own too.
0: It also makes me think about how a lot of times we ask ourselves, what can we add to sculpture? Like what balloons can we add? What, like maybe we can add another five inch somewhere, or maybe we can add a 160 to add some flare, or maybe we can add some fabric or some feathers or some neoloons. but actually another approach would be the other way around. What can I take out and still have something that I can identify? That's uh, another way to create something that looks different, that is special, but sometimes on some occasions, it might actually be like refreshingly very, very fun to look at, like just a new kind of a sculpture.
1: Absolutely. Like one of the things I loved was because I'm I'm a supporter of Dave Brennan's Patreon as well. I loved his uh, loop heads designs as well because I think that's a perfect illustration of kind of what we're talking about. He's using that exact same premise of like very minimal twists, but just changing very few things around. He then has this bigger impact with those. And I've used them for the past couple of weeks after the webinar, and they've gotten great responses as well. And they're and it's an absolutely fantastic thing.
0: It is. I was uh, in a gig where someone was looking for like a Rocraft Pokemon, which is basically a dog, but with a, like like a blue dog, basically. I, I can't make him yeah. a blue, you know, one blue dog and say, here's Rocraft, because he won't believe me. So I made yeah. him a, a loopy head by Dave Brand. And uh, again, it's just a privilege to have him serve his patrons and our BC members through BAC, and that way, you know, everyone can learn and get exposed to new ideas from Dave Bren. So, like, I just made him a blue loopy-head dog with a little bit of touch around the neck because Rock Ruff has uh, some stones coming out of his neck. That's, like, one of his special features. So I just made a flower base be, like, more like five bird beaks. So it's one big bubble, one small bubble, and he's made it the whole... Base of it look a little bit more pointy, and with changing the colors to match the right colors, it just looks really awesome. The kid, the kid would just start going through his friends in the gig and say, "Look, it's Rockruff."
1: <laughs> That's awesome, and yeah, and I love you mentioned the special features because that is something that needs to be considered. It's not about just making it super simple, but it's also looking at what are the basic features that really changes it from being a dog to being what was the Pokemon's
0: name again? Sorry. It, it's Rock Ruff. Rock Ruff.
1: Rock Ruff. Okay. What are the basic things that change it? It looks like a dog, what are some basic things that make it distinctually that? But really, again, when you look at those special features, it's not that big of a challenge. For example, Paw Patrol, you can basically make the exact same design for line work every single time. Just change those colors around because they all have different colors. And as long as you make sure that Marshall has the red and white, and Sky has beige and pink, you can use the exact same balloon, use the exact same design. But for the kids, there are different characters altogether.
0: Yeah, for sure. So how do you carry your balloons to make sure that you have a nice palette of colors?
1: I have the uh, Mini Chunis from Rob Bell Chunis, and yeah. I absolutely love it. It has enough for everything, even though I'm looking at it going, I wish I had all these different things as well. But I like the minimalism of it, even though it's not very minimalistic because it holds 3,000-plus balloons in it. But it has enough for me that I can work with and manipulate it because I need uh, just hearts, rounds, and 321s especially. I love 321s. And then all your basic balloons on the inside, the 260s, 350s or 360s, um, 646s or 660s, depending on what you need to get the job done. I love it. I think it's a great bag. And yeah, that's just what I've been using for the past six years. It was up till I went to Rochester is when I bought it. Rochester, New York at Twisted Show, mm-hmm. before that I was using an apron, but the apron was not enough right away. If you're but the apron is a very good start.
0: How many Sharpies do you have on your bag with you? Um, how many
1: Sharpies do I have? Rainbow Spectrum plus Eddings. Eddings is without doubt the best weight marker, period.
0: Do you use anything outside of the medium, like uh, neoloons or something of that sort?
1: I don't. To be honest with you, I don't like using LEDs. I know this is probably not going to be a very uh, like thing I'm going to say, but I don't use headbands either, just because I found in my market personally, it could be different from other people, that using headbands and stuff like that is just not worth my time. I've, I had a pack of 50 headbands that last me three years. Even though I took them and I was advertising them, people did not want them. One thing I noticed with where I go and stuff, I find, especially with kids, that balloons are a really good enhancer for the psychology of play. By having a balloon, then they're now, it's now opening up new doors for kids being able to play with each other. The classic one is having swords and just having a sword fight, which is great because it's actually a very safe way of having a sword fight with somebody. But then if they each have a princess, then all of a sudden they're coming up with a store, they're running around with their princesses, or they have a princess, another one has a Pikachu, and they're still creating their story together. And the psychology of play, I think, is an incredibly important thing, especially when you see, when the parents see them, they're playing with their balloons and stuff like that. And I find that headbands, in my opinion, I could be wrong about this, but in my opinion, are limiting to that. And as someone who was a childcare worker for 10 years, the psychology of play is something that I think is very important to have. But as well, on top of that, I don't use LEDs or anything like that as a personal choice, because especially in Vancouver, they tried to ban balloons about two years ago, citing all the environmental misinformation that is out there about it, though it's very important for that. And because I go to the Vancouver farmers markets around here, that was actually how I got started and I got into the right demographic. And right now, actually, I'm, I need to talk with them because they want to get rid of all single use plastics there by next year. And they've been saying, well, you're not allowed to come back. And so I've been coming up with the studies to try and show them that this is not the case. And they actually feel bad about it as well because they love having me there. Unfortunately, I'm not there so much because I'm busy with gigs. But when I'm there, I am creating, I'm helping create the atmosphere there. Anyways, Sorry about the tangent. Um, What I'm saying right now is I don't use LEDs or other things like that because it's kind of hypocritical if you say that you use biodegradable balloons and then you put LEDs in it because now it's no longer a biodegradable product. It's now a single-use plastic because that LED is not biodegrading anytime soon. I know that it's a cool idea. I'm not saying that it isn't a bad idea, but you can now no longer advertise or fight the idea that balloons are single-use plastic if you are going to be using those items in your arsenal.
0: You definitely made your point. <laughs> I want to make sure that we keep it a little bit balanced. Definitely understand it and agree that the plastics are by the biodegradable for sure. And there's also not just the ecological concerns, those LEDs are actually can be considered an item that is dangerous for little kids. They might swallow an yeah. LED. And You really don't want to be in a situation where you don't have insurance and someone swallowed your LED because there's batteries inside. And Mm -hmm. we're talking about a situation where you need to basically go to the hospital to handle taking it out as soon as possible, if that happens. And that can even happen when you're already gone from the gig and it's still going to be in some level your fault. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving any like legal advice here. What I'm saying is that there is a real risk with those type of things. I find the LEDs very pretty in uh, night gigs, uh, especially weddings and places where, you know, you're looking for some edge on the visual effect of what you're doing, but definitely not very polite for the environment.
1: Absolutely. And please don't get me wrong when I say that, because like, when we look at the environment, we look at all the different art forms that are out there. I'm curious as to how many dyes or how much stuff is in other forms of art as well. And if you're using LEDs, I'm not telling you not to, but I think that's a point that probably people don't, are not bringing up right now is there's another way to look at that if you're really worried about your environmental implications on the world right now.
0: And I think it's important to raise the awareness. I think it's important to know that on some locations, not just Vancouver, but also, you know, on the States, there's multiple places On in Australia. They have a really hard problem with councils and cities like going and saying, uh, no, no, you can't bring in balloons. And this is a trend that I think will be, it will only get harder unless we put up uh an educational fight and and try to share our side of the story efficiently and be authentic around that. We need to be careful not to make silly mistakes of, like, on one hand, release balloons and, on the other hand, uh, twist uh, nice biodegradable doggies. So there are other things that you can put into a balloon that is biodegradable, like fabric, for example. Have you Mm -hmm. experimented with something like that, maybe?
1: Not at all. I don't really like using this term, but I guess I'm more of a purist with this sort of thing. I don't really use a lot of glue dots. I don't really use a lot of things like that. I really enjoy the puzzle of balloons just as much. And I really like to see like what are the limitations that I can use with only balloons. That's just my own personal style. I have friends that have used glue dots all the time and stuff. And I still use them when I know that that's my only option. But I just prefer all balloons.
0: Cool. Fair enough. I didn't ask, but of course, like, it's a a valid question. Like, do you have glue dots on you, on your kit or not? I carry glue dots with me everywhere. Uh, I don't mind using them, even not where it's mandatory, but where it's optional. I can put something (laughs) like I can add a a pinch twist and connect it through a pinch twist. And sometimes I will just prefer, nah, I'll just use three glue dots here, three glue dots here and one here. And sometimes it's justifiable. Sometimes there's no point in that. I won't do it on purpose. I will do it only when I think it's justified because of my goal to finish something in four minutes or whatnot.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, everyone has their own style and there's nothing wrong with what you're doing as long as you are making the art that you want to make and making the people happy that you want to make happy. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. It's your art. Do whatever you want with it.
0: How long will you spend on like one of your blasters or whatnot with a kid in an event?
1: That's the thing the blasters don't take very long like maybe five minutes tops i really when it comes to it depends on what sort of gigs it comes down to how many kids are there and what i could be able to get away with if i go to some corporate events where there's going to be 100 kids and i have two hours i'm making three to five minute things tops five minutes tops i'm stopping at three minutes most of the time and at that point in time if the kids ask me like i want this big large creation I'd be saying, I'm not afraid to say no to them and saying, sorry, not enough time for that, but what here's what I could do instead. And I come up with a list of different options for them that they could do that I know that I can already create for them. When it comes down to like slower gigs, I give myself more of a five to seven minute mark. When it comes to birthday parties, I tell them, I don't mind going out for just one hour because I charge enough for it. And I tell them, if you have more than 15 kids, I need a two hour minimum just so they're understanding like, this is what I put birthday parties. This is my style of birthday parties. The birthday parties, I'm there to make a special event. I'm there to make a memory. I'm not there to be a machine, but there are some events that I do take on. That's a personal choice of mine where it's like, yep, I know I'm going to be doing line work. I know I'm going to be doing that. But even then I still have the option to be creatively free at those events, because if you're able to break things down enough, you can make anything, not anything, but you can make just about anything in three minutes or less if you have the right concepts and the right way of looking at the balloon, as I believe I do.
0: <laughs> cool. Do you find it hard to sell the service of like twisting only, or do you get a lot of times where the customer will ask you, "Do you do anything else, like maybe a magic show or whatnot?"
1: And I have a few different options uh, for that for what the what the clients want. And I was fortunate because Buster Balloon just recently in Chicago came up with an idea that he showed there for his private class on Sunday. But I'll go through them first. I have twisting and that's my biggest seller because a lot of the time people just want me to twist balloons because that's what they've seen me do. And when I twist balloons, I'm still interacting with kids. I'm still entertaining at the same time. And that's just what I can do with them. I also have a balloon show as well. And so I can sell that. However, I very rarely just sell that because I always want them. Only five to six kids are going to get a balloon and if you want more balloons to, for all the kids to get, it's going to cost you either X amount, or you can go with my combination package, which is the show with an hour of twisting as well. And most of the time, then they start going with that show. But that's more of my higher end rate, and so I've actually incorporated coming back to the Buster Balloon thing, where he shows how he does less than an hour birthday party in Chicago, which I saw and I absolutely loved, and so I called it my Balloon Blitz package. So I do a quick twenty-minute show. And then I make either a bracelet, a wand, or a hat for the child. And they choose a one two sixty, and they choose one 5-inch round balloon as their custom. And then they are, and that's what they get. And those designs only take me less than a minute each to make. And so I charge right in between of what would be for an hour of twisting or my combination package. And, and I actually, that's my new favorite thing to make because there's not a lot of prep that goes into it. I go there, I'm in and out in less than an hour the parents love it the kids love it everyone's happy with it and um then the whole point of the balloon bits package is the, the birthday child is my only helper during that entire time they get a huge thing so it still creates a premise that if you hire me for your birthday you're going to get something really really cool as well which will make all the kids start telling their parents yes hire I want this guy at my birthday party
0: That was a lecture that Buster gave in the middle of a vortex storm in Chicago <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that was an interesting time. I unfortunately, I actually came down with the flu while I was there as well, which was not fun. But I just remember it because um, I've been across Canada and I've dealt with minus 50 weather before. I was kind of used to that, but it was very interesting seeing uh, how it kind of just kind of really kept everybody secluded into the hotel. It was a really fun time. It was very interesting, especially when one of the restaurants nearby closed down as well. So everyone only had one place to go to eat.
0: I remember I was there, uh, and the atmosphere was very clear from my point of view, which is like you really need to love balloons with all your heart <laughs> and uh, every single part of your body if you choose to get inside Chicago in that weather because it was like uh, it was very hard to go in, into it, just you know you needed to drive the the, the airplanes uh, were not operating uh for some of the time. Oh, yeah. I actually
1: didn't have my luggage for the first four days of the convention. (laughs) So I was basically wearing the exact same thing for a few days and it was kind of (laughs) gross. What do you got to (laughs) do? Yeah,
0: It's funny. We probably met somewhere in in Twist and Shout back then, but I don't remember specifically. But it's a pity because if I knew that in advance, uh, I would love to see some of your blasters live there. And I'm sure like spending some time on the gym, Would have been very fun. Do you uh, go into any other convention?
1: Yes, I was at Bling Bling Jam as well during the summertime. And Bling Bling Jam is a lot of fun. If you can uh, pull away from your busy summertime to go to that, it's in Vegas every year. It's a really fun convention I found that it's just a very mellow, very chill, not very competitive. And... I personally find that it's a lot of fun to be there. I love Twist and Shout as well. If you want to get some new information and really meet some really cool people, Twist and Shout is great. Bling Bling Jam, if you want to have a very relaxed social time as well, I find that Bling Bling Jam is fantastic too. I haven't been to any others, unfortunately, though I Mm. plan on it.
0: Well, you don't really do any Balloon right?
1: Not at this point in time, no. I prefer the instant feedback of making a kid something.
0: So... It's been a pleasure to just chat and talk about some of your concepts. I really hope that you will share with the community some of your ideas because just from the few photos of what I've seen, you've managed to take some some ideas and bring them to a new level and to a point where it is no longer just a version. It's your work by now. You've made enough tweaks into it and made it stand by itself. So I really love your work. And I encourage you to continue and make kids happy, see their happiness in their eyes, and uh have a think about all those other kids that you can't see right now that uh, will maybe uh enjoy your designs as well one day. Definitely very inspiring to hear how important the art is for you, how it's literally just a part of your life, of your day-to-day, of the way that you design every minute of your service those deeper understanding of the art. And uh, it's been just a pleasure to talk with you. So thank you so much, Sam dupe smith
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Zivir. I really appreciate the ch- conversation. It's been fantastic.
0: And uh, see you guys next week on another episode of Balloon Artists Podcast. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this interview with Sammy or Sam, then I think you're going to love this bonus that I've prepared for you. It's actually a lecture I'm very proud of by me, which is a lecture about the guessing game within a course that was originally named The Death of the Line Walk. And then the name was changed to Line Walk Alternatives, uh, which is a little bit more soft, but uh, it means the same thing. So if you're interested in twisting like Sam does, uh, then you probably would love to see this free lecture. Usually it's a part of a course that costs money, but this time it's free. Only if you go to balloonartistpodcast.com, find episode 10 of season 8, and then you, you will have the instructions of, uh, it's kind of like the secret menu. Now that I think about it, it's the secret menu of in and out. Uh, did you know there's a secret menu for in and out? Of course you did. Well, if you didn't, now you do. And we have a secret lecture waiting for you in balloonartistpodcast.com. Drive safely. And see you next week on Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Ziviki here. And this is season 8, chapter 10, the tip section. And I want to mention a story today that is actually something that I've, I've said in the past, but I have reflected about it and found. Some more points that are important in order to utilize this uh, rule efficiently, and that is related to marketing and websites and making things pretty. So the story is the story of the banana peel, but there's going to be a new ending to the story or a new look at that story. So the story of the banana peel goes like this. A guy needs to buy a wedding ring or, or a ring, a diamond ring, for his girlfriend or for his spouse and he goes into uh the jewelry and there's a lady there waiting for him uh she shows him few options they're all within the budget let's say 1000 bucks which is a fancy high end ring of course relatively and, and then the guy is already set his mind about like one of two rings and he just needs to choose which one, because both of them are on budget. But then he looks down at the floor, and he sees a banana peel. Someone ate a banana, and threw the peel on the floor of the jewelry. And that makes him think, what if they they didn't notice that part? But what if they also mishandled the diamond in the ring, and that will fall a week from now? That would be such a disappointment. And he loses trust with the company and he goes out of the jewelry goes like three shops next in the same shopping mall into another jewelry and buys a ring for twelve hundred or fifteen hundred dollars which is above his budget but there were no banana pills so this is how human behavior is right now people are so busy when they go into your business and look into your life what they're looking for are reasons to go away just a banana peel on the floor, that will allow them to say no, I'm going away, this is not for me this is not the level that I'm looking. So recently I've been working on a sales page, and it's a sales page for one of our upcoming launches for a course by Annie Banani. it's the balloon storytelling course so I was looking in the sales page and the way that we've built it, and I was thinking whoa, so many banana pills but I know the story I knew the story, so I said Just keep at it. Keep picking up banana pills. Because I know the end result is going to be beautiful. So I want you to know that sometimes there's so many banana pills on the floor that you look at it and you're thinking, this is lost. It's better to throw away. But it's not. In marketing, if you chose your messages right, if you have a good heart on what you do, uh, eventually you will clean the banana pills to the point where it's just beautiful. So you need to know this rule works even when there's a lot of banana peels. Not just when there's a few of them and you look around and you clean them up. Even if there's like so many banana peels that you don't see the floor at all, you can still clean it up and keep at it. And eventually you'll get to the point where there are no more banana peels at all. It just looks beautiful. So, I want you to be encouraged to know that the same thing, like with holes in your business, there's always new holes, just keep at it, don't stop, because it's the momentum that counts, it's the habits of doing, like improving your site, improving your marketing, improving your your skills, every single day. And that that you know accumulates into huge changes. If you want to improve your skills, by the way, there's a place for you, and that is Balloon Artist College. We have over 50 courses. We are planning our upcoming challenge uh, that will start in February, which will be a creativity challenge. There's just so many things in there. Just last week, we had a webinar with Dave Bran, and he was so good in showing a, a heart with, and it's like a webinar for all of his patrons and for all of the members of BC. So like there's, it's just ongoing development um, that is amazing. We'll have a few announcements to make about the uh, some new uh, content that we're adding soon for the membership. So stay tuned. And it's just always a good idea to go to bononartistcollege.com and to check the club. Uh, This is something that is very new, very very different, and a great way to work on your skills. So thank you for listening for another episode of Balloon Artist Podcast, and see you inside of Balloon Artist College, and next week on Balloon Artist Podcast.